Thank you for joining us once again here on Strange Pathways. I am your host, Scott Mort. Had a, it's hard to say wonderful, I would say interesting time this weekend. Uh, the wife and I binged the new Dahmer series on Netflix. It was uh, absolutely stunning. In, in every meaning of the word, stunning. If you are into true crime uh, and you have a strong stomach, I would strongly suggest Dahmer. I also want to throw a big thank you out to Egan for the wonderful, wonderful uh, research material for one of my Patreon uh, videos. Egan gave me a ton of stuff on Indrid Cold. Uh, hopefully, the Patreon will be up soon. It's It's been a very busy week. It will continue to be a very busy week. A good friend of mine is getting married. Uh, it's going to require a trip into Pittsburgh. Things have been hectic. Thank you for, for bearing with me through this. And hopefully, my schedule and life will return to semi-normal here soon. Our first story comes to us from the wonderful phantomsandmonsters.com. Absolutely amazing site. I cannot say enough good things about it. It's going to take us all the way back to a Florida highway rest area in the spring of 2007. Now, the witness and her then-boyfriend, they're, they're on their way from New York down to Miami. They're going to a music festival, and they're, they're driving south on the highway along the east coast of central Florida. Now, driving driving this amount of distance is vicious. The most I've ever driven myself is from Minneapolis to central Pennsylvania. It's vicious. So making your way down the eastern seaboard, yeah, horrible, horrible. Now, they're pulling into this rest area to have a nap. It's, it's crucial. It's crucial. If you're ever driving this, I strongly suggest stop at every rest area on the highway. Get out, stretch your legs, relax, grab a drink, do something. They they didn't trade off because they had just recently bought the van. She was a little afraid of driving it. He was he was doing all the driving. So they park this van. He jumps in the back and lays down on a uh, mattress that they had in the back. The, the rest of the area, that building, it's unmanned. It's locked up. It's dark inside. The restrooms are closed. And they are surrounded by dark, dark woods. There are about four other cars in the parking lot. So... She's assuming that either they're resting themselves or maybe they've broken down and this is where they could have dumped off the car. And she said she normally wouldn't walk outside. Even her instincts were were saying, don't go outside. But she had nausea. She was suffering from menstrual cramps. She'd taken some Midol. And she just needed something. She decides she's going to try to get some pretzels. 
She kind of gets that courage up. She opens up the passenger side door and she gets out. It's a little bit of a tight squeeze. She has to she has to get between the vehicle and the vehicle parked directly next to them. Now, she has a clear line of sight to that rest stop building. And that's whenever she sees it. It's it's to the left of of the doors on the front of the rest stop. It's it's to the left and to the right is the vending machine. So it's it's almost as if it's waiting for her. Immediately the witness is flooded with this weird telepathic message. And it's just over and over in her head saying, I cannot be seen. I cannot be seen. I cannot be seen. I cannot be seen. I must travel by night and exist in darkness. I cannot be seen. I cannot be seen. I cannot be seen over and over and over. And instead of being afraid, she, she feels this, this huge amount of compassion for, for this, this creature. She sees this creature as an outsider worthy of compassion and it's at this point she as as she starts to feel sorry for this that she's able to finally look and really observe what it is it's pure chalk white it's it's skin just white the it's it's eyes were huge, several times larger. And it has two little air holes for a nose and just a very thin mouth. It's wearing this long black hooded robe. And it's, the poor thing is frail looking. It's, it's sitting on its butt. Its knees are bent. His, his back or her back is against the the brick front of the rest area. It's sitting. Its back is very straight, tall, and erect. And it sees... It sees the witness. And the witness is now approaching it. And this creature, this entity, it seems like it's in awe of her. The face is snake-like. It's, it's still just aghast, impressed that a human is, is looking at him and not running. She smiles at it. And she's walking towards it, closer to it. The witness walks forward about 20 feet up the 20 or so steps and right to where the vending machine is located. She doesn't want this thing to feel different. She doesn't want to run away. She doesn't want to hurt this creature's feelings. She doesn't want to make it feel like, feel horrible. She wants to, to make it feel 
like it belongs. It's... Her stomach is churning. And remember, this thing is sitting right next to the vending machine. Her stomach is churning. She's still nauseous from the Midol. And she actually goes and gets the pretzels. She has the pretzels in hand. She looks around to the creature again. She's very close to it. About 15 feet away. She said it it was staring right at her like an insect. There was no way it was human. It's she said the the eyes seemed like they were one dimensional. Didn't have whites. Almond shape. And it's then that it hits her. Whatever this thing is, it's extremely tall. It's sitting. She's standing. And its head is still taller than her head. She said this this thing's looking at her the same way a cat looks at something right before it, it, it attacks it. She, she thought this thing was sitting on top of something, and that's why its head was raised so high. But now that she's closer, she realizes this thing is massive. She, she's terrified now. But she shoots at another smile. It was, it's a little, it's a little stunned. All the compassion that she has felt for it, it's gone now. And it is filled with terror. She decides to walk back to the van and she's figuring out a way to make sure that she's not paralyzed with fear. She needs to get inside the car. The witness decides, don't look back. Don't even look around. If, if she sees any indication that it's coming towards her, she's going to freeze. The witness makes it back to the van, locks the door, and wakes up her boyfriend screaming, we need to leave now. They drive away. She looks out the window. Nothing. Nothing there. It's just gone. Just brick and and concrete and the vending machines. Now, she said this thing was very firmly placed in this dimension. It wasn't hazy. It didn't. It didn't fade in and out of existence. It was very, very, very real. She tells her boyfriend about what happened. And he's very much into the paranormal. And his only response is, we're in Florida, what do you expect? But the way she puts it, he's 
kind of a jerk. She, she's thinking about it as they're driving down. She's thinking about the height of this thing. At first, she thinks, ah, oh, it's about nine or ten feet tall. But she begins to sketch it out. And she realizes it had to be a lot taller. She's 5'4", and it was a head taller than her. So that means from the base of its spine to the top of its head, it was around six feet tall. With the legs, she she figures that this is somewhere around 14 feet tall. Was this a hallucination? Doubtful. Doubtful. Was it a, a dream? Absolutely not. I don't think this was a dream. She's, she has the pretzels. This feels to me, to me personally, that this is some sort of creature that we share this planet with. It's not interdimensional. It's, it's not a tulpa. I think we share this planet with creatures much more intelligent than we are. There isn't a cow on this earth that knows that they're a food source for humans. Not one cow knows that it's a food source. There's not a single goldfish in existence that is aware of humans. Some may argue with me on that. I think they become quickly aware whenever we pull them out of the water. But I don't think it sticks. I don't think I don't think their minds can handle it. I believe this woman had an encounter with something we share this world with. Something that lives in the shadows, in the back areas. Maybe just maybe just a few a few inches off reality. And it could be existing with us right now in the rooms that we're in, just slightly askew from our perceptions.
Our next tale comes to us from the YouTube channel, The Facts by HowToHunt.com. The, the creator over at that YouTube channel recently got an email from a gentleman named Jason. Now, Jason, he's, he's a logger who lives up in British Columbia. I have a good friend that lives up in BC. Hello, Thomas. And Jason has this friend named Dan. Dan gives him a call one day and he says, Hey Jason, could you, could you give me a hand? I I need to unload some gravel out of my truck. Now, of course, Jason being the good friend that he is, he adds over and they're unloading this truck of gravel and an older man in his sixties pulls up into the driveway. Now, Dan walks over and says, hello. And then Dan and this man in his 60s, very stout gentleman, comes over and says, Dan, this is my brother, Troy. So now they've got extra help. It's Troy. It's Dan. It's Jason. Now, they unload this truck and they they go over to Dan's house and they crack open a few drinks. They... uh, they sit and they talk for a couple of hours and they get out a bottle of scotch. Dan tells Troy, tell him the story. Troy tells Jason he's working for a logging contractor near Blue River in British Columbia. It's the in the Mantu area. You can find it if you go about a hour and a half north of the Blue River. Troy was working on this huge cedar tree. It was 16 feet around. So he cleared out all the brush around the tree, cuts it down, follows it, and he then bores into the cedar. He wants to see how hollow the tree is. He spends about an hour making the cuts with his chainsaw. And this tree explodes. It just shatters. Now, Troy walks up to the tree near the bottom of it. And there's this huge hollow space. Troy said it was like looking into a cave. And he's looking inside this tree. And that's whenever he realizes there are bones inside this tree. Brown looking bones. So Troy's first thought is, oh, this is, this is a food stash, a cougar or a bear stashed this, forgot about it. The tree grew up around it. But then he sees a hip bone. And this hip bone looks looks way too human. He reaches in and he pulls something out. He pulls out an arm bone. And the hand is still attached. But this hand, 
This hand is four times bigger than any human hand. And the arm bone was as thick as the end of a baseball bat. He's shocked. He's stunned. He pulls out his handheld radio, calls his boss. And his boss comes down. And they start pulling stuff out. Long hair. Rawhide material stuck to some of the skeleton. The supervisor goes, you know, this is big, but it it looks human. Whatever this is, this looks too human. We need to call the cops. Troy goes, no, no, these, these aren't humans. These are thick and long and... They're just, they're massive. There was no decomp smell to it at all. No odor of death. Nothing but the odor of cedar, really. So the provincial conservation officers arrived. And they take over. The workers aren't allowed to go up to the site until about a week passes. And they're told, just get your equipment. They never logged that section of the forest again. And they go in. They retrieve the gear. And there's two conservation officers there. And what are they doing there? They're getting ready to shut down the road permanently. Troy believes that this is a Sasquatch skeleton. How did it get in there? Troy doesn't know. He's had a few strange encounters. But this, this is a mystery to Troy. But it scared him. It scared Troy bad. Troy, he's not taking chances. He decides that from now on, wherever he goes in the forest, he's going to carry his 4570 Marlin rifle with him. And he, he tells Jason, if you ever travel the hard highway, Carry protection. And maybe you should take Troy's advice as well. Our last tale is going to take us to Zula Ocatlan, Mexico. 1955. This little six-year-old boy, he's, he's doing what all six-year-old boys do. He's going outside. He's going to play. Now, whenever I was a kid, every once in a great while, every once in a great while, you'd be out playing. And you would find a toy. I, I remember I remember one time 
I was walking through the woods in in Salisbury, Pennsylvania. This would have been probably 19... 1985, 1986, somewhere in there. And I looked down in the woods and I saw tracks. Not animal tracks, but tracks the Transformer. He, he was a, a blue Corvette Stingray, right? And I picked him up. There was nobody else around. Nobody else around. Somebody obviously lost this. I took that. I took that toy home with me. I loved that toy. And a few years later, that toy disappeared. And then as an adult, I found out that one of my childhood friends stole it from me. Oh, my heavens. But this little six-year-old boy, he, he sees a doll. There's a doll out where he's playing outside i imagine it's someplace like a backyard someplace close he's six right so he goes over to to touch the doll and he realizes oh wait no no this isn't right because dolls don't step back and away from you in fear whenever you go to touch them. This little boy is scared. Quite honestly, me as an adult, I'd be frightened. But this little six-year-old boy runs back into his house. Mom, mom, this doll, it, I went to touch a doll. It's a little tiny doll and it runs away from me. Now his mother didn't believe him. But this little boy is frightened. He's scared. He's crying. And he takes her by the hand and he drags his mother outside. Now, she's outside and she almost steps on this little, tiny, strange, humanoid creature. It has large, lidless, protruding eyes. They remind her of the flies of an eye, the way they stick out. And the... The mother is terrified. She faints right away. The rest of the family hears her scream and hears her fall. They hear the little boy crying. And the other family members, they run out. And they see it. The woman comes too. And this little humanoid thing has has jumped on top of this floating platform. It seems like he controls it with a pair of pedals and this horizontal instrument panel on the top. And this little, this little platform, it moves in short jumps and bursts. And then it jumps over a nearby fence, rises into the air, and enters this large hovering metallic disc. This disc shoots off, disappears from sight. Now you would think, you would think that this was a one time occurrence. No, 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 no. 
several children. Later report encountering the same or a similar creature. They claim that this creature had human features and it wore this suit that kept his entire body covered except for his face. So the next time, for you parents out there, the next time your kid comes in and says, Mommy, Daddy, I saw something. Come take a look at this. Take them by the hand. Walk out with an open mind. Prepare yourself. Because what your children have been seeing might be exactly what they're telling you. And even if it isn't, you may build a memory. Let me, let me end this with a story about my life. Whenever I would walk home from school, I lived close enough to school. I went to Salisbury Elk Lake High School. Whenever I walked home from school, I would always take this shortcut, and it wasn't much of a shortcut, but it saved me about a minute of time, but I would take a shortcut through a field, then across my grandmother's lawn, and into my house. And one day, one day I'm walking across this field, they had harvested the 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 grain out of this field, right? So it was able to be walked through without me cutting up my legs or getting my pants dirty, what have you. As I'm walking through this field, I see this giant circle. It's, it's a crop circle. It's an absolute crop circle. This thing is a circle that's about 40 feet in diameter. And on one end of it, there's a V-shaped impression. But it's not flattened grass. It's grass that's greener, a lot greener than all the grass around it. And I mean, it is a perfect circle. Well, I freak out a little bit. The only thing I wanted to do is get home to watch Transformers. Do you see a pattern in my life? I like Transformers, still do. And I get in there and I tell my dad, Dad, I think I found where a UFO landed. And you know what my dad did? To his credit, my dad, Paul William Mort, he said, let's go take a look, son. He gets on his jacket and he walks out with me. He goes, show me where it is. And he looks at it and he goes, you know what, son? Scott, I wouldn't know what this is either if I wouldn't have been sitting on the back porch watching them harvest hay. And I go, what is it, dad? And he goes, it looks strange, but 
what happened was I was watching them harvest and they were going around in circles as they harvested the hay and the wheel got stuck on the tractor. It wasn't spinning at all. And they did that for one loop and then kind of, kind of stopped whenever they noticed what was happening, got out, got the tractor up, fixed it. What I had seen was where the new grass had grown after that stuck tire had dug up everything. That little V indentation was where they was where they brought that up. And my father, great man that he was, man that I miss every single day. My father taught me that day. The paranormal is fun. He was a great lover of the paranormal. But finding out the truth is important. Thank you for joining us once again this week on Strange Pathways. Head on over to TikTok, Pathways Strange over on TikTok. I know I didn't get a lot of stuff up there this week, and I do apologize for that. It's been a very busy week. I have another busy week coming up, but I'm I'm going to try to get a few things up there this week. My apologies. Instagram, the same. Strange Pathways podcast. Head on over to Facebook. Uh... We're over there as well. Twitter, also, Pathway Strange. If you'd like to email me, please do so. Strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Be sure to hit like, comment, subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Please, let's make this podcast grow. I think we've got something really, really beautiful here. And I see those numbers increase all the time. It does my heart so much good. And for those of you that can't get enough, stay tuned. I am working on a Patreon version of this show. Huge, once again, huge, huge thank you going out to Egan for all the research materials you've lent me for the Indrid Cold case. If you've got any suggestions, if you've got stories, if you have something and you'd like to be on, please don't be afraid to contact me. That email, once again, strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other. (laughs) 